This forum is part of the City Club's Local Heroes series, sponsored by Citizens Bank and Dominion Energy. We're grateful for their generous support. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Friday, January 28th, and I'm John Sankovic, the President and CEO of the Ohio Aerospace Institute. We are proud to partner with the City Club and pleased to introduce our forum today, pushing boundaries and breaking barriers for the benefit of all. Today's forum is part of the City Club Local Heroes series. The series is designed to ensure the champions living and working here in Northeast Ohio have a leading role in our continuing community dialogue. The speakers represent a cross-section of the brightest thinkers and doers whose hard work changes the way we view ourselves and view our community. It's my privilege to be part of this today and to introduce Dr. Marla Perez-Davis, Director of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, John H. Glenn Research Center. When Dr. Marla Perez-Davis was growing up in Puerto Rico, there were some who doubted she could even become an engineer. Today, Dr. Perez-Davis is the first Puerto Rican-born woman to serve <laughs> to serve as a director of any NASA center, and the second woman to lead Cleveland's NASA Glenn Research Center. Dr. Perez-Davis oversees more than 3,200 scientists, engineers in, in both civil servants and support contractor roles and manages an annual budget of more than $900 million. Under her leadership, NASA Glenn continues to push the boundaries of innovation in space and aeronautics research by working to meet milestones on propulsion and power elements with the Artemis missions, where NASA will land the first woman and the first person of color on the moon. The center also oversees innovations in electric propulsion to change the future of aviation, where the skies of tomorrow will look very different than they do today. Moderating the conversation today is Dr. Kirsten Ellenbogen, President and CEO of the Great Lakes Science Center. As, as in every City Club forum, you can participate with your questions. Please text them to 330-541-5794. Again, that's 330-541-5794. You can also tweet them to at the City Club. We'll try to work all of them in. Members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please welcome me, please join me in welcoming Dr. Kirsten Ellenbogen and Dr. Marla Perez-Davis. Well, Marla, I know you and I are talking regularly. Our teams talk constantly, and, and usually it's because there's something new happening. It's always busy. I have to say, lately, it's 
it's exponential. There's so much to talk about these days. It's been amazing. Well, first of all, thank you, everyone. Um, thank you for the invitation, and more than anything, thank you for your continuous partnership. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, you know, the conversation start with you know our partners, and you have been outstanding partner. Um, and yes, we are so excited about everything that is going on, and you have been part of that excitement. Uh, we have great things going on uh, here in Ohio. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about the latest, right? Yeah. So as you know, we have a long history of space exploration. And we have you know, 60 years of knowing how. This is the exciting thing. Right now with Artemis, which is you know, how we call our going back to the moon, the excitement is around a couple of things. The first one is about going back to the moon. We haven't been there since Apollo. So that's number one, right? So we have a number of generations that haven't seen a landing. They have seen pictures, but they haven't experienced that. Um, and to tell you the truth, from my view, I just remember a black and white image of you know, some <laughs> landing. I didn't have any clue about what was going on or yeah. how difficult or complex was that mission. More than my mom said, sit down, watch. This is important, OK? <laughs> yes, and that's what I did. Um, but you know, you, you reflect on those things, and those are images that you know stick with you. So, so going back to where we are right now, so 60 years, right? Exploration, NASA Glenn being part of that, um, and I'm telling you, when you know John was talking about you know the first woman on the moon, the first person of color, um, we're also rewriting history, right? Mm. Um, you know, Artemis One, back to the moon. This time to stay is not just about flags and footprints, it's about going there in a way that is achievable and is sustainable. And the sustainable part, that's where we play big. That's where NASA Glenn here in Cleveland, Ohio, you know, have a strong role. I think so many people yeah. forget this, right? Like <laughs> mm -hmm. we keep saying, oh, we're going back to the moon. You don't think that when you go to the moon, you have to go through Cleveland. I don't, I don't know yeah, that anyone that's realizes right. this. That is so right? true. Right. That is so true. Yeah. The history, you go back, it has to go through Cleveland. Mm -hmm. From the spacecraft, right? In this case, you know, there's the spacecraft, what it takes us to get there. Then once we are at the moon and orbiting the moon, what is happening there? You know, we are also involved in that. So I will talk a little bit about, you know, first, you know, the spacecraft. What are we doing in Orion? and the space launch system. Then we will talk about the outpost, the gateway. What are we doing for the outpost and how NASA Glenn plays there? And then once we get there, right, we learn the technologies are working, then we land, and that's the sustainable part. We land on the moon, we gotta have, you know, the power system, we have to have the materials, we have to have resources. Yeah. And then we do the exploration. And in all those phases, Going back, it's passed through Ohio to get there. From developing the technologies to the test, to helping integrate and you know, manage those, those activities. You said gateway, and, and I get so familiar with this, but I, I don't know that everybody has really experienced why going to the moon is so different this time. Like, what's gateway? Okay, so, so let's start with how we're gonna get there, okay. right? So Artemis One is the program where we're gonna get there. The first thing is, you know, the spacecraft. So we have been, you know, leading uh, with our partners. Again, it goes back to partners. It's not about just NASA. It's us, you know, the industry and the international partners. So NASA Glenn has a role in the Orion, which is, you know, for um, the spacecraft. That spacecraft is gonna be, you know, adapt or, you know, uh, 
connected with the Space Launch System. Space Launch System, SLS, is the biggest and more powerful. Think about the Statue of Liberty. It's taller than the Statue of Liberty. That's 322 feet. So that's, that's really tall, right? Um, so NASA Glenn is working to uh, you know, um, develop and you know, help with the design and the, the development of the adapter. We we'll call it the universal adapter. Um, and that's what hooked the spacecraft and the launch vehicle. So right now, and that's for Artemis 4. Artemis 1, which is you know, um, the first mission that we are gonna use the spacecraft that NASA Glenn has been working with the uh, European Space Agency, uh, and which was tested here at the uh, Sandusky facility, the uh, Armstrong you know, test facility, and the Armstrong test facility. And it looks, uh, the spacecraft is really, for everyone who grew up with uh, the shuttle system, it, this is going to be remarkably familiar going back, taking us back to the 70s, right? Yes, I mean, it, it's very it's, different. It's, it's different, yeah. but there's some similarities. Yeah. Um, so, so the first thing is the Orion spacecraft. That is what we call the service module. Mm -hmm. And it has, it's really the powerhouse. It has the propulsion, the power, you know, the, the, the water, all the elements that are needed for, you know, the astronaut. So that's the capsule that was, you know, tested here on, you know, at the uh, Sandusky facility. So right now, that is at the uh, Kennedy Space Center and is being connected and is ready um, with the space launch system. So we are gonna have, uh, the first mission is on crew, no astronaut. We're gonna be three weeks, um, you know, around the moon. We are gonna prove the technologies to make sure it's, oh, everything is good and then we're coming back. So that's Artemis One. So that is, you know, we're working all the details or the reviews, everything is going on now, right now. We will have, you know, a, a, what we call a dress rehearsal in the next month, and that will determine when we would set up the time for the launch. So watch that launch because it's early spring, and we are so excited about that mission. So that's the first step, Artemis One. Then we have Artemis Two, which is we go about the moon. So that's when we're talking about, you know, having the astronaut. So, and then Artemis 3, which is then, you know, we are gonna land on the moon, and Artemis 4 will be when we stay on the moon sustainable. So Gateway is the outpost, meaning once we are in the orbit of the moon, that's the place where the astronauts are gonna be back and forth between the, you know, around the moon and gone to the surface. Mm -hmm. So we have the responsibility for the first element, the power and proportion element for that gateway and the gateway is the habitat and then you know the, the power and propulsion element which really allows for power and the propulsion is to be able to explore the whole moon. When we went the first time we were pretty much you know constrained for the power that we have which was in the you know sun areas of you know the, the light part of the moon. This time we can explore all the moon because we can move around to do that exploration. Um, I know a lot even, of excitement oh, about right. that. Right, and you haven't even fully gotten into all the elements. So many of these pieces connect in to what's going on in Northeast Ohio. Mm -hmm. I think of this and, and how we're helping get all this happen on the moon. That's got to have a lot of impact here back in Northeast Ohio, right? And I don't, I don't know that everyone appreciates the footprint, the economic impact that NASA Glenn Research Center really has 
here in our community. Yes, so when we talk about the technologies, right, the technologies is not only about exploring space, you know, the deep space exploration. Those technologies find a place in our home planet. For example, you know, we talk about power. If we have to have, you know, power system that really operate in the moon for the astronauts to be able to live and also to work because they're doing exploration and discovery um, and all kind of science experiment, you know, that knowledge is transferred here and there to make, you know, for example, power grids more efficient. Mm. So, so the knowledge come here. So back to the economic impact, I want to pull out some numbers because I am afraid that if I don't do my, you know, um, look at my numbers, I make put some of these numbers erroneous. Well, they're, they're big numbers. Yeah, they're, they're big amazing. numbers. They're big numbers. So, so um, there's two type of studies that we have conducted in the past to, to look at the economic impact, just exactly what you're asking. So one was conducted by the uh, agency, um, and it was about the Moon and Mars, you know, program impact, economic impact on the nation, um, especially um, we found out that there's a couple of things. Um, the NASA federal budget is approximately 24 billion, generate more than 64 billion in total economic output annually, and support more than 300,000 jobs nation nationwide. So that's nationwide. If you go to Ohio, just the Moon and Mars you know, program, Ohio is ranked in the top 10 states that benefit from the NASA efforts which include 2.3 billion for the state economy, 302 million of which come directly from the agency's moon and Mars exploration effort. If we look, I talk a lot about Art Artemis, right? So Ohio is home of more than 120 companies and suppliers that are contributing to Artemis. And that's just the moon and Mars. We haven't talked even about aeronautics and all the other programs that we have in the agency. So we also conduct um, a yearly um, study with the Cleveland State University. And we look at exactly you know, what is happening here in the state of Ohio, especially in Northeast Ohio. So I am very proud to say that last you know, full um, study, our economic impact exceeded 1.6 billion in Northeast Ohio. It supported more than 7,000 jobs and increasing labor income by 505 million and generated nearly 118 million in local, state, and federal taxes. So when you look at those numbers and hear those numbers, right, this is only the beginning. Mm. As we start, you know, really working and really understanding how to live in another world, in this case, you know, the moon, and then with the idea that, you know, our objective is to get to Mars, right? Mm. The reason why we go to the moon is not just because, you know, exploration, is because that is the place that we can test our technologies and make sure that we have everything that we need to go to Mars. So it is where we're going to do the proof of technologies. Those technologies are going to find a way to planet Earth. So that means those numbers are just the beginning. You know, as I said, we don't do things by ourselves is in partnership with American industries, with our international partners. You know, imagine, you know, in the future where the economy is also impacted by what we do solely on the moon. You know, what exactly, what kind of materials we can, you know, generate, what kind of thing, system, um, what kind of uh, technologies, knowledge is transferred to products or to 
you know, like we have on, at the you know, entrance of the center for those of you that have been at NASA Glenn um, for the benefit of all. It's not just for the space exploration, it's for the benefit of all. I have like three new exhibit ideas in my head already listening to you talk for the Science Center. Hey, but yeah, I know. Well, I know we will. <laughs> but I, I have to say, you've, you've rattled off these numbers. They're incredible, right? You are talking about taking us not just to the moon, but to Mars. Marlo, you started this conversation talking about your mom sitting you down in front of the TV, right, to watch us landing on the moon, surely. I, I mean, it, there's a story about you here, too. And, and I, sometimes I get glimpses of this. There must be these moments that you look back on and you think, how did I get from here to there? Or those, those special moments that really changed your life. And, and I know I don't get to hear enough about those. So, so I, I, I would have to say talking about the moon and Mars is more exciting than talking about me, okay? No, yeah, let's let's put it out there. Uh, but, but here's the thing, there's, there's a lot of uh, determination in what we do, right? Mm -hmm. When we look at the challenges, you know, the challenges to go to the moon, the challenges to go to Mars, and, you know, we transfer that to us as human beings, we all struggle with something, right? We all have challenges, and we all have, you know, to make sure that there's an internal drive. But we also depend on the system that you know, is around us. You know, that, that system is what helps us to succeed. That's what you, we NASA right now, we're gonna be successful. It's not just about NASA, it's about the American public understanding what we do and being with us. It's about the you know, industry being with us. It's about our international partners. It's about the collaboration, the partnership. You know, when I look back, um, I never in my wildest dream thought about being in the position I'm at. You know, it's a privilege, it's an honor, and you know, I'm very humble about it. There's just no question about that. But it, I didn't get here by myself, right? It, I, I did it because you know, there was a system out there that was behind me. You know, some of you probably have heard about my mom um, and my grandmother. <clears throat> they, they were kind of the, uh, the, the initial drivers in terms of, you know, you can be whatever you want. You don't let people tell you you cannot be something, right? Um, and, and in technology, it's the, a, a lot of the same, right? When you start working on an idea, there's people are going to say, well, that's not going to work. Um, and then some other person say, well, maybe there's something there. Let's, let's work together, right? So, so I see that it's really, you know, how you collaborate, how you bring others with you, and then what you do once you are in a position that you can help others. So, um, you know, back to, to my story, you know, there's challenges, right? Every day is, you know, it's, it's a new day, but there's, there's challenges, there's struggles, but you have to have the determination um, and the will. You know, you gotta have to some kind of internal drive that, you know, gets you to keep working and uh, reaching out and, and some days go, you know, your way. Some other days it just doesn't go your, your way. But you know, teachers, um, you know, and for those our students, just please, please listen to your teachers. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's many years after that, you know, you go back and say, okay, this teacher really, you know, make a difference in, in my life. Um, I was very fortunate that even when I was in a, you know, small town, that there was not a lot of resources, I have the benefit of having outstanding teachers mm -hmm. that, that, that really, really work with us and, and make sure that you know, math, you know, interest in science, all of that, and, and really challenge us to the next step. Um, 
because again, if that will not happen, I you know, probably will not be here. Really, those teachers really make the difference. Um, and then after that, obviously, is, you know, you can be whatever you want to be, you know, for all the students here, you know, sky is the limit. You can be whatever you want to be. Um, you just have to work hard, um, make sure that it is not about what others think is good for you, but it's where your passion resides, right? When you talk about the space or aeronautics or with all the things that we're doing for in both areas, there's a passion around it, mm -hmm. right? And, and there's this level of energy and uh, desire to achieve, but achieve together. So I see a lot of you know the NASA mission and probably mission of any organization very similar to what we all as individuals struggle with. We all have challenges. We all depend on someone else. Um, and we also are responsible to make sure that we bring others along. Um, so and again, there's a lot of similarities. I love the way <laughs> you're talking about challenges because one of my greatest experiences with NASA is, you know, you talk about risk very openly and, and very clearly and precisely about risk. And it, that's got to resonate with, you know, especially when you talk to women working and moving their career ahead in STEM. And I know you're passionate about that and I know that you carry others as you rise up. Um, but how do you, uh, you've, I've heard some stories about, you know, you've talked about your mom and your grandmother, um, but I do appreciate how you really are honest about risk in there. Yes, yeah, so, so it's, you know, um, risk that's, you know, get really to my heart because just yesterday we uh, celebrated days of remembrance at NASA. Mm. So let's don't forget that a lot of life has, you know, a lot of individuals have given their lives for advancing the mission. Um, and yesterday we pause and reflect um, in that you know, specific aspect of the risk. Um, it, it, it is a risky business. We're in a risky business, right? When we talk about space, when we talk about airline, all those things have a risk. Um, and, and you know, we felt very strongly that the best way that we can honor that those that have given their life, the ultimate sacrifice is to continue the advance of, you know, the mission. So when we talk about, for example, the first woman on the moon, right, mm -hmm. that is going to be really, uh, it's going to be a source of inspiration for a whole generation, not now, but the ones to come. And it also is going to exemplify that it's not that easy, right, because it's taking us how many years, how many years to get there? So again, talk about the challenge. Sometimes you just have to have the determination and you have to keep working little by little to achieve that challenge. It doesn't happen overnight and it takes pretty much a village to get there. We will have the first woman on the moon. We will have the first person of color and that will be the motivation. <laughs> that will serve the motivation to inspire everyone to achieve because if we can achieve those things this is kind of the platform to all other things that we still all other barriers that we have to break mm -hmm. this is only one of many right but it's going to be one that is going to rewrite the history books and we are all for it we are all for it we're so excited again the first few months are going to be very critical as we have the first test of you going on you know launching for the first time since Apollo. 
Um, so, so we're really excited about that and, and looking forward to uh, what is to come. You mentioned Apollo, and I know, um, and you referenced the Sandusky facility. I, that might have been the last time we got to see each other face That's to face because right. yep. it's rarer Absolutely. these days. Yeah. Renaming the facility in Sandusky, the test facility, it's a big deal, and it's and it's something I think that resonates for all of us in Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, the decision to rename that. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it's a testament of the role that Ohio plays, right? We have talked a lot about space. We haven't talked about aeronautics, but the Wright brothers, right? We, we do have a very rich story, you know, history with um, aerospace, especially aviation. So, you know, you mentioned an ATF or, you know, the Neil um, Armstrong test facility, and um, that is the place also that we have the, a very unique facility that mm -hmm. is testing, you know, the powertrain of what we call electric propulsion for planes. Make it very simple, right? If, if some of you, not all of you, not all of you, but some of you, remember when we start talking about electric cars, um, it was like, hmm, that is gonna be a tough sell, right? Electric right. car, can we get there? Electric cars are part of the things that we have these days. So the same thing is happening with aviation. So we're working on the technologies to um, make you know, the planes. Uh, first of all, again, we go back to the sustainable, but we also look at you know, lower emissions, noise, control the noise. We're looking about you know, technologies that will allow us for supersonic to be commercially available, meaning we can go from point A to point B in a half of the time. That is huge, right? Um, we also look in at advanced air mobility. Imagine that you can get in the morning and instead of having to jump in your car, you jump in a little plane that is gonna take you from point A to point B. Imagine that. And we're working on the technologies to make that happen in terms of using more electric systems uh, for both the subsonic, but also for you know, anything that will get us into you know, the, the, the drones and the air taxis. Um, state of Ohio, you know, we're working with the uh, state government. We are working with um, Ohio State University. We're working with University of Cincinnati. Uh, we're working with a number of industry here in the area. Why? Because we need to come together to make sure that we come up with the technologies, we test the technologies, and then we will have an economy that it will be vibrant because it will be about Ohio making a difference. You know, from the manufacturing, to the testing, to having those devices available to everyone, and we all will benefit from, from those technologies. Um, supersonic, you know, we are right now working at NASA Glenn with um, Lockheed Martin uh, scan work because they are fabricating right now, they're in the production of what we call um, the uh, um, X-59 technology demo. What is gonna happen is we're gonna be testing supersonic in a way that we can get data to make sure that we work with um, US and you know, international regulators to see how we can change some of the standards to make sure that we can fly supersonic. Mm -hmm. So again, and, and just doing, flying supersonic is not about it, it's about changing the shape of the plane doing things on the technology side to reduce what we call the, you know, the low boom. 
what we want to make sure is that you know we reduce the impact in the environment. That is what it was going to allow us to fly supersonic. And again, the economic impact is huge. Yeah. Uh, so that's another aspect of you know what we do. Electric propulsion. You know, planes, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, they're going to look very, very different. It, it, your guess is as good as mine. We have some, you know, drawings that are going out there. They're going to look different. And this generation is the generation that is going to make that difference. That is, it's so exciting. And I, I have to say, you keep referencing testing and, and you've referenced the newly named Armstrong facility. I don't, I don't know that the scale of that, because now it's been years since I've been at the Armstrong facility. It's mostly underground. Every time I'm driving through Sandusky, I feel like I'm about to go off the road, because I'm always peering over, right? Because all you see are the lumps, right? And, and you know, like deep underground there are some amazing test facilities. It's, it's stunning, everything that's out there. Yeah, and you know, it's not just for NASA, right? It's also for um, industry to, to do testing. So you have a facility that is the space environmental uh, complex. So, so instead of you know, having to um, go different places for a test, you can come to this facility and you can do all these tests that you need to have you know, before you launch. So that was one of the key things that we did for Artemis, you know, uh, the Orion crew. We test and we make sure that it was ready for flight. And then after that, it was transferred then to um, Kennedy, where it now is you know, connected to um, SLS and ready for uh, flight hopefully um, early spring. And um, that's gonna be our first test that I keep referring to. And, and I think it was in the vacuum chamber. I mean, you say like, make sure it's ready for, yeah. you say that so quickly, so, but it involves all these different yeah, so facilities you, yeah. out we, there, right? We have, you know, we have to, to make sure that the thermal, um, what we call, you know, thermal gradients and things. Yeah. All the environment that is gonna be seen, the spacecraft is gonna see when it's gonna be launched, that's what we simul simulate out there. So um, electromagnetic uh, waves. So there's no interfe interference between the components. Um, you know, the, the thermal vacuum, um, the vibrations, all those things can be accomplished at that facility. And you do not have to go to multiple facilities, you can do it there. Um, we don't do justice when we talk about the facility because as you said, you really have to see the facility, yeah. the size of that facility. And you know, what is always amazing, and you know, Brian and I have a lot of conversation about this, is that you know, these facilities were built many, many, many years ago. I mean, it is, it's just like a matter of genius, engineering genius would put these facilities together. And guess what? They're still standing. They're still making a huge impact in the way that we design things, you know, they're there for a purpose for us to test, to make sure that it's safe, but also for us to learn and make sure that we make changes to the design or the testing. Um, and, and we find out if there's, what is, mitigate the risk. As I said, you know, there's a risk. What things we can find out now that we can mitigate or fix before we fly. That's what those facilities are for, to test before we fly. I mean, it's it's exciting if you want to be safer, if you want to be more environmentally sound. Like, you gotta come talk to NASA Glenn. That's it's, right. It's it's amazing what you do there. Well, I I know that there are a lot of people who want to get in some very specific questions. Um, so let me say that we are we are now about to begin the audience Q and A. 
Um, we do welcome questions from everyone, city club members, students, other guests, or those of you joining us via live stream or the radio broadcast on 90.3 IdeaStream Public Media. If you'd like to tweet a question, please tweet it at the City Club. You can also text your questions to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. And staff will try to work that into the program. But maybe have the first question, please. Yes. Um, I've got one here from um, a text question. It may have been answered a bit in this last bit of the conversation, but in case there's anything to add, what research is NASA Aeronautics performing that'll contribute to the goal of the U.S. becoming net carbon neutral in 2050? Can you repeat the last part? Can you repeat that last part? It was about getting to net carbon neutral. The U.S. goal of becoming net carbon neutral by 2050. So what research is being done to help contribute to that? So, so, so a couple of things. One of the things that we're working on is you know, electric, electrical systems. So looking at electrified propulsion, that's one way to reduce uh, the emissions. The, the other thing is looking at materials that are lightweight. Because if we have lightweight materials, obviously we reduce the amount of you know, thrust that is needed um, to take off and land. Um, so, so there's you know, areas in materials um, and also, you know, the, the power systems that we're working to, um, you know, achieve the reduction um, and moving more into green technology. Um, so as a woman who's interested in, in going into the science industry, do you think that the misogyny and sexism that women face in, like, the STEM in industry has gotten better or worse over the years? So, as I said, it's work in progress, right? Um, and couple of things. The first one is, is very different than it was when I started. So, so let's, let's make sure. There's more women in, you know, engineer. Uh, there's a lot of efforts like, you know, um, the, the uh, um, NASA, you know, partnership the with the visitor center, mm -hmm. um, making sure that there's an awareness. So that's one another thing. Um, the other thing is there's more efforts in terms of being diversity and inclusion in all organizations, um, because we all realize that creativity and innovation go hand in hand with the diversity and inclusion. So I think that piece by itself is helping, but we still have work to do. And um, we also have to make sure that it doesn't matter which generation, it doesn't matter if it's you know, female or a male, that we really have to inspire and motivate students to pursue degrees in STEM because that technology is here to stay. We need technology in everything that we do. So we need to make sure that we do everything we can. Um, but at the same time, we still, we still have work to do, um, but it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. I would say, I don't know, I would like you know, your input too on this one. Right. I mean. You've got two people up here very passionate about your question, and I, the only thing I'd add is to say what helps is standing up at the mic and asking the hard question. So keep asking that. Okay, I'm assigned with the virtual question. So we have one here from Twitter. How do you and your colleagues see the recent private sector space efforts from Bezos and Musk? 
So as I said before, right, the partnership, the collaboration between industry um, and federal agencies is key. If we want to achieve these, you know, very big challenges of going back to the moon, then to Mars and beyond, we have to do it together. Um, I think, you know, what we have learned in terms of the collaboration is huge. Our ability to uh, really depend on our partners is also another um, you know, big um, trust to make sure that you know we get to that next step. So I would say it is is, is good. Um, again, by going back to the diversity and inclusion, the diversity of thought, the diversity of technologies, the diversity of options, and the diversity of approach. All of those things make us better every time that we turn around, and that that. Partnership is, is critical for our success. What town from Puerto Rico are you from, and what inspired your work in space as a kid? Okay, the first one I got it, the second part I didn't get it. What inspired your work in space when okay. you were a child? So um, I'm originally from uh, Puerto Rico, as I said before, and um, I was born in Ponce, but um, I was raised in Adjuntas, which is a small town in the middle of the island. Um, what motivated me in space? You know, in reality, my passion was math and chemistry. That was the two things that I started with. And then one good day, I decided that I wanted to be a chemical engineer. And uh, one of the things with a chemical engineer is that chemical engineers can do a lot of things. Um, they can work in thermal systems, they can work in electrical systems, you know, they can do processes, they can do materials, they can do a lot of things. Um, so I, you know, talking again about the system that you have around you, I have a, a professor that was um, doing research and uh, invited me to, uh, to join the research in the energy area. And uh, when NASA went to um, Puerto Rico, I was made an offer to come and, and work for NASA. Um, now, did I plan to be in space? We all love space. I never dreamed that I was gonna get an offer with NASA, so it didn't take me more than two seconds to decide, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll have to look at any other place. I am going with NASA. Um, so again, and that's how I started my career. I know that uh, NASA Glenn has been working for years on uh, production of a new battery, which is much, much smaller, lighter in, in size and weight, and yet uh, be able to produce more power. Uh, what is the latest, I've heard so many rumors, what is the latest on the production of a new battery? So, um, great question. Uh, batteries are key for everything that we do right now. Um, I think, you know, even for all of you, right, if your battery doesn't work and your iPhone doesn't work or your Galaxy or whatever is your phone, um, we panic, right? So, so we panic because <laughs> suddenly I need power. Um, so, so the new batteries, we're still working lithium-ion batteries. Um, we're looking at some solid-state batteries, but really, um, you know, t talking about batteries and we talk about patient and things that take a long period of time, you know, batteries are one of those things that you cannot accelerate the chemistry because you accelerate chemistry, you're not going to get what you're looking for. So you got to, you know, you got to come out with the design and the design for a battery that you use on your phone 
a design of a battery that you're gonna use space, or a design for a battery that you will get an aeronautic, the outcome is the, the same, right? You want power and storage of you know, the electrical power. The problem is that the requirements requires that you have a different design for those three things. And the way that you test those things are also different. So it takes time, we still work in different aspects. We're always looking for new chemistries um, because again, how we can reduce the size and get more power or more energy storage in those batteries is key for our success. So work in progress, that's one of the things that you know, make all so unique, right? Our long history of working in all these you know, power, propulsion, materials, communication, and obviously I didn't talk about microgravity, but microgravity is key. Um, one thing I will say is that you know, the microgravity piece is another aspect that we need really to understand and have helped greatly in terms of coming out with how to manage fire in space. It, it behaves different in space than it does here on the Earth, and we have to make sure that we understand that because we will have astronauts that need to know, you know what are the physics behind how to you know, um, mitigate any chance, any risk for fires, but if it happens, how they will make sure that they can extinguish that fire in space. Um, but those technologies also find a way here. Thank you for that question. Yes, right on. At Max Hayes, we have trades in CAD engineering as one. What area of engineering should I focus on to get into NASA? Well, uh, we need all type of engineers. So you just get an engineer now. Um, <laughs> a, a couple of things. Um, first of all, when you're looking for the engineer field, find out you know, what exactly is, what are the, the disciplines that you are more interested in. For example, I said I was interested in math and chemistry. So again, I look in there, chemical engineer, but that doesn't mean that it's only chemical engineer. Math and chemistry apply for pretty much all kind of engineer, aerospace, you know, mechanical. So it's a question about what is your affinity? Are you more kind of, you know, um, the numbers? Are you more in terms of, you know, hands-on mechanical system? Are you more interested in like physics? So, so have a discussion with, you know, your counselors at the school, with your teachers, and if you have an opportunity to talk to other engineers, there's no better way to talk to another engineer because you will have a better feeling for what is, what do you really like. Um, a mechanical engineer can do different things. So it depends on which field this individual is working is how that concept is gonna be applied or does that knowledge. So I think talking to others, you know, shadowing an engineer for a day, it will help you a lot to understand Okay, what are the fields that I'm interested in? And in your first year in college, you will have the opportunity to experiment and go into different you know, classes that will give you a feeling for what that type of engineer will be doing. Um, but as I said, you know, engineering is kind of a foundation. Some engineers don't practice engineering. They go to medicine or they go to law or they just go and open their own business. So again, it's, it's just, Technology is everywhere, and for me, engineering also gets you thinking different. Um, so, so that's another, another aspect of engineering, uh, the ability of you know, thinking in a, in a more integrated, um, different aspect of you know, the problem. So shadow someone, shadow someone. Come and shadow someone at Glenn. Seriously, come talk to us.
Hi there. I have a question um, from Eric Wobser tuning in from Sandusky. And the question, some of the audience members know him. Um, how can we partner to leverage NASA's presence in Sandusky that builds on the physical facilities testing capacity underutilized land adjacent to the Ohio Turnpike and Sandusky's destination status? Think Space Camp or Great Lakes Science Center. That's from <laughs> So, so we continue to, to work with uh, different partners to find out, you know, how to collaborate, um, you know, not just in terms of the science and, and the technologies and the testing, uh, but also in terms of, you know, how we can be better neighbors. Um, so that's one thing that, you know, we work with, with the community, with uh, General Stringer, and then, you know, um, Larry Civic, which is here with us today, um, Associate Director for NASA Glenn, he's also very involved with those activities. But the first step is just, you know, to call us and have a conversation about ideas, thoughts, um, because that's usually what we do for all the partnership. Um, we just have an exploratory session. We have another question uh, from tech, from our, our text number. And for the audience members who are listening on the radio, it's 330-541-5794. Um, this question, how are you prepared to deal with cybersecurity issues? Well, I think we all are working cybersecurity issues. Um, I think it's a work in progress um, because, again, the technology is advancing. And, you know, when we um, work one area, something else come up. Uh, new technologies are always, you know, uh, being used. And tools, um, processes, all those things. So I think, you know, it's an area that is going to continue challenging all of us. And the first thing is awareness. Um, you know, the awareness of, you know, what our system, making sure that we do have, you know, the individuals that have that expertise to do the assessment and look for mitigations. I think that's one thing. Um, we also have, um, as part of, you know, our organization, our culture, is to make sure that we continue educating all of our employees about, you know, all technologies, but obviously cybersecurity is another area that we're making an extra effort to make sure we all understand what is our responsibility um, when we have, you know, computers, um, I mean, what our, everything, uh, personally and professionally, right? We depend on that. So we could have to have, um, we have to keep up with, with the knowledge and, and understanding uh, cybersecurity and how to mitigate any risk to our uh, data. All right, I have a question from in the room. Uh, so this question is, how can our region support NASA Glenn to ensure that Glenn continues to expand its role, leadership, and budget in the overall NASA organization? A couple of things. I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, we are very appreciative and, you know, Dick Clubs, thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk today. Things like this, the, you know, the opportunity to, um, in many ways, you know, create an awareness about our role in the community um, our impact and the economic impact that we have in the region and what are the opportunities to partner with us, what are the opportunities to come with us in this journey. So I think, you know, that is, that is by itself a great advocacy for the American public to understand what is our role and how the role that NASA plays really benefits everyone. That is not just about going to space, it's not about, you know, having the next big, you know, airplane or the faster airplane. Um, is about the economic impact and how these technologies really find a way to our home and help us um, to have a better quality of life. So I think, you know, I, I would say that. Um, 
we, we also have, you know, within NASA organizations that really take care of, you know, the, the collaboration, the partnership, the, you know, the, the kind of um, um, discussions that are needed to make sure that, you know, everyone is up to date and knowledgeable about what you do. Um, Josie is here with us, you know, John Sankovic is here with us, um, JCP. We have a number of organizations that continue, Jobs Ohio, um, continue to really, really um, make sure that, you know, our mission is um, communicated in different ways to, to the American public. So for that, thank you. Thank you. What is your favorite part about your job? Wow, that's a tough question. Uh, hmm. The people. I'll say the people. I, I think the people is my favorite part. And the people, because without the people, we will not be able to do the things that we do. There's so many brilliant people, so talented, so knowledgeable. Taking care of the people is the thing that I take, you know, to the next step because I think they're, they're our biggest asset. And they're going to take care of the capabilities with our facilities, tools, and all of those things. So I think it's like a domino effect. All right, we have a lot of text questions lined up, so here's the next one. Could you talk about how different centers in NASA compete for projects and the bearing that it has on NASA Glenn's future? So, so I think, you know, that there's a couple of things that I would like to say about that. Um, you know, some competition is good. Um, there's, you know, good competition because, you know, we all get better when we know that we have to really be sharp all the time. When it's not good is when we get in a situation that it gets into toxic or a very negative environment. I will say we are not there. We have made a lot of progress in terms of have more collaboration between the centers and be in a situation where we depend on each other. And if we have some competition, it's because we want to get better. And you know, in some areas, we have even duplications. And that is also a good thing, because we need to make sure that we have corporate knowledge that can stand. And that is also a good thing. So I think you know, um, I would say little competition is good. Too much competition is not good. And I think we have made a lot of progress getting away from that negative uh, competition and give more into the collaboration. Um, I was wondering, what was like one of the hardest things you had to overcome, like getting a job at NASA? Um, couple of things, and that's what I paused. So, so obviously, when you know I came here to um, um, to Cleveland. Um, it was the first time that I was living in the state. So the culture is very different. Um, have to understand what is, what's the culture because it was very different. Uh, the language, um, so that's another thing. And then, you know, you're talking about many, many years. We're not going to say how many. Um, <laughs> but the other uh, aspect of that is, you know, the environment. Um, I think, you know, we got the question about, you know, women in, you know, science and engineering. You know, there was not that many women when I started, you know, NASA. So, I mean, there was still a little bit of, you have to prove yourself, and then, you know, a Hispanic, you know, woman. Um, so, so there, and there's still a little bit of that. Let's don't kid ourselves about that. But, but I think, you know, the, the challenge is that you have to make sure that you always are yourself. Don't try to be someone that you're not. And you just also have to understand what are your weaknesses, 
and what are your strengths. And that's the way that you overcome the challenges. You always have to recognize, hey, I can get better here or I'm not good at this, but she's really good at that. So guess what? I'm gonna partner with her, right? I'm gonna make sure that I have you know, a mentoring relationship or some kind of you know, way that I can get tips, understand how she approached certain aspects of the job, so that way I become better. So I think you know, there's, um, there's some kind of uh, assessment that you have to do about yourself in terms of strengths, weaknesses, and then understand those, see which ones you can improve, and some of these things you know, take time. But culture, I would say, culture and language were the big challenges for me. Not just to come here, because again, they have to make an offer, right? Um, then I have to come and I have to find a way to prove my worth to some, to some extent. Um, and um, I think that's, you know, that's in all of us to find that way of, you know, it's not everything is going your way all the time. Nothing, nothing, nothing is easy. Um, you're gonna find times that you're gonna, you're gonna have to pause and decide what, what is the next step that you need to take. But um, for all of us, there's ups and downs. Um, we just have to make sure that we don't stay down all the time. We gotta figure out how to stand up and, and keep going. All right, I have a question from one of our members that was texted in to us. With Cleveland set to be in a prime position to observe the total solar eclipse in 2024, what is NASA doing to help raise awareness about this event and astronomy generally and the presence of space technology okay, locally? Well, we'll, we will work on that. We got to work on that. The meetings <laughs> between our organizations for the eclipse have been going for eight or nine months. <laughs> I, I mean, we are there. Like this is NASA, Glenn, and yeah. Greg. We are so ready for the eclipse. Yep. It's going to be thrilling. I really will. Looking forward to that. Hey, unique times, right? Yeah. Unique details. Gotta take up, you know, advantage of that opportunity. So we're looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. it's going That's to be great. Question. It will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, this has been tremendous. Today at the City Club, we've been listening to a forum featuring Dr. Marla Perez-Davis, director of the NASA Glenn Research Center. It's part of our Local Heroes series in partnership with Citizens Bank and Dominion Energy. We'd also like to thank guests at the tables hosted by the Greater Cleveland Partnership, HX5, Jumpstart Inc., Max Hayes High School, the NASA Glenn Research Center, the Ohio Aerospace Institute, Wycliffe High School, the Young Latino Network, and Zinn Technologies Incorporated. We are happy to have all of you here. Make sure to join the City Club next week. On Wednesday, February 2nd, we will be back at the Happy Dog with John Mitterholzer, Senior Program Officer at the George Gunn Foundation. He'll share his experiences at the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Scotland last November. And on Friday, February 4th, we'll be joined by Desmond Mead, Executive Director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. He will address the battle over the soul of our democracy and how access to the ballot box has become the site of some of the most important legislative conflicts. There are only a few tickets left for this forum. You can purchase them and learn more about other forums at cityclub.org. 
And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Dr. Marla Perez-Davis. Thank you, members and friends of the City Club. I'm Dr. Kirsten Allen-Bogan, and this forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.